The following program was paid for by the Bianchi Law Group, LLC. The views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMTR. As always, it is advisable to consult a professional before making a major decision. Robert A. Bianchi Esquire and David J. Bruno Esquire are New Jersey Supreme Court Certified Criminal Trial Attorneys of the Bianchi Law Group, LLC, handling criminal defense, domestic violence, and municipal court cases with a team of former prosecutors who fight the government when they charge their clients with crimes. 8 Campus Drive, Suite 105, Parsippany, New Jersey, 07054-862-210-8570. So you've come here for the truth. Well, we've got the truth and nothing but the truth. Two of New Jersey's well-known former prosecutors bring you real-life encounters and candid conversations from thought-provoking guests ranging from all walks of life. Here you will find how today's thought leaders in their industries faced immense challenges and adversities with captivating stories ending in personal triumph and ultimate success. Come here for the truth and to know your most important rights, the right to live a fulfilled life, and your right to be your own success. Here are your hosts, Robert A. Bianchi and David J. Bruno. Welcome to WMTR Radio. It's nothing but the truth with your host, Bob Bianchi and Dave Bruno. Two lawyers, yes, but not a show about law. Dave, it is about mindset. It's about living your best life. And we have an awesome guest today, but you say hello, and I'll make the introduction because this is one of my friends. Oh, absolutely. And I defer to you, Bob, on the introduction. But thanks for listening, as always, Saturdays. And then we got the podcast dropping on Wednesdays, nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com. Bob, take it away. I mean, I'm, ner- I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to disappoint my friend and colleague, Dr. Mary Kovach from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, who I know, Dave, through the Order Sons and Daughters of Italy in America. And she came to my attention because we have a mutual friend who said to me when I became the national president, you have to get this woman on board in management in some way. I kept saying over and over and over again, Dr. Mary this, Dr. Mary that. And finally, I met Dr. Mary, and I'm like, you know what? I got to get this lady on board with my team as soon as possible. Uh, she's literally that impressive. And I want to thank her right from the beginning of this, because in the last year and a half, I never would have been able to do all of the substantial changes, positive changes, uh, without the unique perspective, the creativity, the business acumen, the intellect, and fun that we've all had together. So, Dr. Mary Kovach, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the warm introduction. Thank you. Of course. Well, listen, as you can see behind her, she's got a couple of books. There. This, this woman is no joke. She's not only a university professor, but she has a new release out, Dave, a book called Mindset. It is already an international bestseller. And I'm going to read through some of her bio real quick because there's so many accomplishments. It's earned 10 number one placements, including a number one release in business, education, social science, and methodology areas. It's an Amazon hot new re, uh, release. It's a number one bestseller in education theory research and the bestseller rank in multiple categories. It is a research-based approach to understanding mindset and motivation, the perspectives behind human mindset. Uh, Dave, that sounds like this is like right up the alley as to what this show is all about. It is. Uh, it's not only the first time uh, that the doctor has published. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I found this very interesting, and I didn't, I didn't know this, Mary, that you utilize historical Italian female figures to examine their mind, their mindset could be in each scenario. A self-assessment is included for each reader 
uh, to better understand his or her individualized perspective of accountability, uh, ultimately where his or her mindset resides along with on the motivation spectrum. Uh, this is something we talk about mindset motivation all the time. She has a PhD from Miami University and an MBA on top of that from Cleveland State University. She's been published in many scholarly journals, magazines. Um, I know her from also writing the book Rockstar Manager, which is a previous publication of hers. Um, and I found out today, which I did not know, is making, uh, making something out of nothing going from idea to launch. But the one that I really love about Mary, see, she's like a renaissance person. She's just not writing about mindset and stuff like that. Her and her sisters have an internationally best-selling book called Don't Cut the Basil. Okay? Mm. Don't Cut the Basil. It's a cookbook. Mary's a prolific cook, baker. Um, really, she, she's got it all. So, uh, Dr. Kovach, Dr. Mary, thank you so much for being here. And let me just jump right to it. I've, I've known you a long time now. Been very impressed. Me and you have worked in a lot of pressure scenarios uh, we talk about office management or our national headquarters. I've had an opportunity to see how you think and feel about certain things, your levels of accountability, systems, uh, making sure there's SOPs. You're always speaking my language, Dave, and I know she's speaking yours for sure. But tell me, I, I, by the way, I, I want you to kind of work in there. It's not just about books. It's not just about cutting the basil. It's not just about cooking. It's not just about all the great business stuff, being a university professor, PhDs, MBAs. But you also have a very, very interesting aspect of your life that you and your father uh, shared with regard to something that nobody thought. And we put this question to all the people at the Sons and Doors of Italy. Who is this person? Let's just start with that, Mary. Tell, tell us about that, because I think that explains a lot of who you are as a person. Sure. So my dad, um, he was a Vietnam veteran. And when he came home from the war, he took the test to be a fireman. And on the side, that he just kind of grew that business. So he was a fireman, but then he did rope rescue. He did confined space rescue, and he did all sorts of extra, um, extra things outside of his job, but all related to kind of the fireman work. And so he started teaching these rope rescue classes, and he needed dummies, if you will, to kind of fill the void. And so he would hang us from the ceiling at the Great Lakes Science Center. Um, we would be on bridges and do repel off bridges. Um, so it was it was a unique experience. So repelling was what my my trigger was. So I said, who do who thinks that I, I've ever repelled? And so when I was in high school, uh, he was teaching a rope rescue course and he called me up. I had just gotten home and he said, hey, can you come to this bridge? It was actually right across from NASA. And I said, sure. He said, bring the camcorder. So obviously this is back in the day. So I, I bring it and he says, I need you to go over the bridge, but do you mind recording it? And I said, no. So I went over this 100 foot plus bridge. And my, I, what I didn't know at the time was that most of the men there didn't want to go over the bridge. And so he wanted me to kind of show them up. And I, I went down and I recorded it the whole time. So it was a really cool experience. But yeah, repelling is my thing. Yeah. And, and you know what, listen, I've also noticed that you, you're a very straightforward person. I think that comes from, you know, these experiences you've had, maybe with your dad. Talk to us a little bit about, you got into the business space, but then you ultimately write this book, Mindset. Uh, why was it so important to you after all the successful publications and books you've had before to write a book about mindset? So prior to academia, I was in Fortune 500 companies and I managed teams around the world. I had hundreds of people reporting to me. I had millions of dollars of P&L that I would manage projects from inception to completion. And the one thing that I saw was it didn't matter the culture, the age, the gender, I, there was something that triggered people in terms of what motivated them. Sometimes it was something like money or a pizza Friday. 
Sometimes it was the job title or how they felt, whether they felt valued in their role. And so when I transitioned to academia, one of the concepts that I learned about was locus of control. And in 1966, Julian Rotter came up with this concept. And the idea is quite simple. I know it's not a mainstream term, but it's basically where you place accountability. Do you place blame or do you place success in a particular area? So I'll give you a quick example. So if I hold my hands out on either side of me, this is the spectrum. I've got one side that's the internal side, and I've got one side that's the external side. An event happens. I get a promotion. I didn't apply for this, but I get a promotion. If I have an internal locus of control mindset, I believe I deserve this promotion. My output is high quality. I deliver on time, on budget. I'm a team player. I'm intelligent. I'm detail-oriented. For all those factors, that's why I got the promotion. If I have an external locus of control mindset, well, I probably got the promotion I got, not earned, word choice, right? Specific. Um, I got the promotion because maybe my cousin's the VP or they needed a woman or someone of my demographic or they needed um, someone of my seniority. But all of those factors are external to my control. And study after study, regardless of the discipline, regardless of the culture, continually demonstrates that if you have an internal locus of control, you are much more likely to be motivated and achieve your goal because you believe you have control of the situation. Whereas the external side is a lot of the times excuse related. Yeah, I, I just want to follow up though, because we, we've talked about this before. You're a professor. Um, you've accomplished a lot as a student, obviously, with the degrees you achieved. Do you find, how much of this do you find comes into play with the different mindsets that people have? I always use the term the victim mentality versus the victor mentality. How, how are you teaching your students is the best way to deal with? controversy, bad breaks, resiliency skills, because I think many notice that these skills seem to be lacking or maybe not lacking. Maybe they're morphing, changing for the better or for the worse. What's your perspective? No, that's 100% accurate. So I did a study, I think it was published in 2018. It was a quick study. It was uh, 101 students, 51 were graduates, 50 of them were undergraduates. And I wanted to see if there was a correlation between the locus of control mindset. Did you do you hold yourself accountable for the outcome or did you just kind of think things happened? There was no correlation with age. So my assumption was maybe as people got older, they held themselves more accountable. That was not the case. I looked at gender. There was no correlation between a man and a woman and whether one had more of an internal or external locus of control. And then I also looked at whether the student was a graduate student or an undergraduate student. And there was no correlation. I could have assumed that graduate students had more of an internal locus of control, meaning they were motivated because they had line of sight to control their destiny. They could study. They had the business experience, but that wasn't necessarily the case. And so when I teach my students is when I hear those excuses, I always point it back to them. Right. So when I hear, you know, I, I couldn't turn my assignment in on time because the power went out. Well, you've had X amount of days to do it. You waited until the last minute. Right. And so we have those kinds of conversations. And by the end of the semester, student after student, you can see the development. And there, there's definitely a progression along those lines in terms of the spectrum. They hold themselves accountable, or they at least know that I will hold them accountable. Wow. Dave. Yeah. What, what about when somebody is going through some struggles, um, some challenges in their lives? And, and look, it's important to talk about this, but... When people are in the mix, it's very hard to distinguish between the two. What advice would you have for somebody going through a struggle? So I, I agree 100%. Life happens, right? So I think if you're an extreme, like it, let, let's say we gave 
a 10 point ranking on that scale. One is an external locus of control and a 10 is an internal locus of control. If someone is ranked a 10, that's probably a problem because everything that happens, they think they're accountable for it. So if I'm an 85 year old mother and my 65 year old child, adult child does something wrong, I still think I'm to blame, right? When that's not actually true. So life happens and I get that. So people who hold themselves at like a seven or eight ranking on that scale are going to be the most successful because they realize while they have control, there's some things that they don't have control over. And so I'm okay with that. But in general, there's going to be a pattern, just a, a natural behavioral pattern where people constantly, they own that. Oh, I screwed up on that. Let me, re, let me redo my resume and send it back in. Or, oh gosh, I, I missed the deadline. Let, let me see what I can do versus um, my mom wrote my resume. I don't know what you're talking about. Or, well, my computer went out, sorry, you know, and then you're out of luck. So there's a behavior pattern that you can you can start to track. Wow, that, that's awesome. All right, Mary, we're going to catch more of you on the other end. This is WMTR Radio. It's nothing but the truth. Your host, Bob Bianchi and Dave Bruno. We'll be right back. At the Bianchi Law Group, our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. All right, welcome back to WMTR Radio. It's nothing but the truth. We host Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno, Dr. Mary Kovach, hailing from the great state of Ohio, uh, throwing the wisdom down. Mary, I want to ask you... uh, you also have a very eclectic background of skill sets and things you do. You're very diversified. Do you try to, where does that come from in your mindset? And do you think this is something that we should be cultivating more with our younger people? Absolutely. So I think um, in school we're trained, everyone has kind of either a right brain or a left brain mindset, right? Some people are more creative, more artsy, and some people are logical thinkers, very analytical. And school kind of pushes everyone towards that analytical side, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic, et cetera. Whereas the arts are kind of put to the side. And so the advantage that I have is that I can tell that my mom is far right brain and my dad is far left brain. And so I have kind of a mix of both. And so I, I enjoy working with people who have one, one set side. Um, so for example, one of the things that I do enjoy, you said I have an eclectic background is, you know, I, I do enjoy baking. Um, what I enjoy about baking is it relaxes me because it's a precise measurement and then I just kind of do it. And it, the outcome is always you know, fantastic and delicious. If I cook, it's more creative. It's not exactly, it's, it, it could be a pinch of salt versus, you know, a few tablespoons. Oh, I, you know, if I like something really salty. And so you can kind of play around with the industry that you're in, whether it be, you know, the, the food industry, the business industry, and from a business um, perspective, what you could do is, um, if you need to do, I used to do this with my team all the time. So when we first sat down, we would determine who's right brain, who's left brain and see kind of where there were conflicts within that component. And then from there, I would make those people go to lunch together and they had to learn something that they didn't know about one another. And then they had to come back and brag about one another. So it's a little bit unconventional and it's on the artsy side, but people actually felt good about it because no one really enjoys talking about themselves. But when someone else brags about them, all of a sudden you've got cohesiveness, you're building camaraderie, and you've got this new team environment that you're starting. And so I think depending on where you fall on the spectrum, left brain or right brain, and assuming everyone has relative control, locus of control of their output, then I think you can essentially deliver a, a fantastic outcome, whether that be you know, something that you've always dreamed about doing, whether it be writing a book or flying a plane. Um, I think 
your mindset, the motivation that you have could be delivered in a. Would you, yeah, would you agree with me that maybe one of the greater obstacles to mindset, and at least it's my thought process, but it, it may not be right, is remember, Dave, when I was prosecutor, I, I, would, uh, I would get up, I had a mirror behind my desk, and, and, and when somebody was saying something where they weren't accepting, it's not me, and how come, and why, and I used to look in the mirror, and I'm like, why do I look in the mirror and see a middle-aged, paunchy, balding man and not Brad Pitt? Am I the only person who looks in the mirror and doesn't see Brad Pitt, like, kidding around? But do you think that in order to have the appropriate mindset, it takes also a, a healthy dose of self-reflection? Absolutely. So self-assessments are huge. Um, a lot of times people say, I'm a great listener or I'm a great communicator. But if you take an objective self-assessment, you can kind of see where you fall. And then you'll be able to see those gaps, especially if they're electronic. Um, I think self-reflection is huge. Obviously, as you grow and develop as a person, you encounter different people. And when you start to feel like you're repeating different uh, behavioral patterns, that's where you can kind of stop and say, is it me or do I consistently see these kind of patterns in certain types of people? But I 100% agree. Reflection is huge. Yeah, and, and just to follow up with that, Dave, you, you jump in any time because, you know, Dr. Mary and myself talk hours a week anyway on other related matters. But um, I, I've, I've noticed the kind of person, and tell me, tell me where your perspective is with this, extremely skilled, smart, well-educated, very, very capable, but in a team environment was always blowing it up. There was always a contract. I can think of a few people, and it used to sadden me because I'd be like, these people could move up so much further in the organization, and you're an organizational person, so tell me, maybe my, my mindset wasn't right, um, but after counseling and trying to do it, I needed them for the skill sets, but when they wouldn't move into a management position, the reason at least I had was I would rather take a lesser skilled person who maybe I could train. You're skilled, so I got you. But I want a person that's going to be a manager who's going to bring accountability, but does it in a way where it's respectful, it's professional, and, and builds a team environment rather than kind of, you know, the kind of personality I'm talking about, like they go into a room and everything gets blown up and everybody's angry and upset and brittle and scared. Um, have you noticed that? And, and what is a better leader? The, the one who gets along better and is a team player but holds people accountable or the super skilled person? What's your point of view? So it's funny that you ask that because in a few months, I'll have another book published. It's called Be Your Best You. And it's basically, um, it's all about leadership style, but I include management. And so I start off the book drawing a Venn diagram where you've got two overlapping circles and that small overlap right there is your sweet spot. One side is management, one side is leadership. And what you want is someone to come in with a vision who can say, here's where we are. Here's where we need to be. But you also need that person to say, this is your role and you need to make so many widgets and they have to be of this quality on this budget and in this timeline. And if you don't, then we need to have that tough conversation. It's never a personal conversation. It's not about your personality. It's here's what I need you to deliver. Do you need to be retrained? And then usually after about 90 days of that intense kind of feedback in terms of here's my output, let's analyze it, let's do a quick audit, you didn't meet skill, you didn't meet your, your, uh, your quantity, uh, KPI, or whatever, the, whatever your, your goal is, um, you can go back and say, here's why, and it's an objective conversation. But there are some, it's a tough conversation, not everyone likes to have that, because it falls in the conflict category. So impressive, honestly, yeah. uh, doctor. I wonder, in your own life, uh, do you have any habits and routines that 
that keep you on the right path with your mindset? So what I, so I actually started a YouTube channel. Um, you can go to marykovach.com and it'll take you right there. And what I try to do is take some of the reflections that we've talked about in class and then pair them with these concepts and theories, topics, et cetera. And so what I try to do is say, okay, let's apply this. And then if I can apply that with, we talked about Sons of Italy, if I can apply it there and then tell my students, hey, this is the outcome. I tried this and this. Now I want you to do this and then reflect back on it for me. And so I think building that um, one relationship with the students and two, having that honest reflection, I think it it creates a safe space, if you will, for people to say, oh, it's okay to screw up, right? If you fail, you want to fail fast because it wastes time and money. So go ahead and fail. Don't drag it on. But then from there, what can you learn? And then develop best practices from those lessons learned. Yeah, doctor, uh, let me ask you on a personal note. I mean, you do all these things and you're a professor and you're writing books and you're about to write another book and you got YouTube channels and I look at all your social media. Uh, you're very, very active. Why did you decide to join a volunteer organization like the Order Sons and Daughters of Italy in America where I can tell uh, the audience firsthand, Mary puts hours and hours and hours and hours in a week and does get, doesn't get paid for any of that. And, and even though she's an officer, uh, she does not have to do the things that we've been asking her to do. Why do you do that? Well, first, thank you. Um, so I actually... I was born and raised in Cleveland, and quite frankly, I missed my family, and I missed the Italian things that we did. And so I just happened to Google sons of, or I Googled Italian things in Cincinnati, and that popped up. And I attended the first meeting. I received a very warm welcome. The food was fantastic. And then from there, they kind of brought me in. And and you, you, all the way all the way to Rome because we recently took a, uh, an organized trip there. Uh, tell us a. A little bit about what life's experiences you learned in that. I mean, we had a lot of laughter. We had a lot of good food, but we also did a lot of, uh, you know, interesting things. Were there any cultural differences over in Italy that you noted were different than what you would have thought them to be before you went there? So what I loved about Italy is that you can learn every, you, obviously every place you go, you learn a little bit more about the culture. But in America, we like spaghetti and meatballs. That's a very Italian-American thing. In Italy, spaghetti and meatballs isn't really what they eat. And so when we have a multi-course meal, we have it in different segments. So they have one thing at a time. And usually the salad is last, whereas in America, it's first. And when we eat there, the food, it's probably like heaven. The food is so good that when I come back, I honestly feel like I eat chemicals for the first two weeks. And that actually, mm. when I use a little, I lose a little bit of weight just because it's like, it doesn't taste right. There's something wrong with the food. And, you know, it's just. Right. So uh, I, I got, I just have one more question and then I want to have, uh, if Mary could show us her, I don't know if she has them available, her books, because I like to go through each title quickly and what, what it represents. But uh, one of the books is Don't Cut the Basil. So why don't you cut the basil? We were taught that you tear the basil. It's not a, it's not a very, it's uh, it's almost like a karma thing, right? You just don't cut it. You tear the basil. You rip it off. Uh, okay. But you're allowed to crush it up. Scissors. Can you, can you go through some of your books, Mary, and uh, tell us just a brief description of what they are? Absolutely. So Rockstar Manager, right behind me, um, is my first book. And it's essentially a short compilation of a number of published articles that I have. And it also correlates to my YouTube channel. So if you're interested in, it, if you're interested in any of the topics on either 
Um, you can go to the book or the YouTube channel to expand on each of those. I talk about Mother Cabrini for servant leadership. We talk about what a what a PL is, right? So I say right now, a lot of my students are allergic to math, if you will. And so we talk about the restaurant example. What is actually income? What what constitutes revenue? And then what are expenses? And when you walk through that kind of storyline, it's much easier to understand an accounting, an income statement in the accounting world versus that left brain. This is revenue. These are your 16 line items, et cetera, et cetera. And so Rockstar Manager is a pretty easy to read, but it's multifaceted, short topics that, um, like I said, correlate to my YouTube channel. Uh, Mindset uh, just won its sixth award, um, all in the education categories. And it's basically, um, it talks about the impact that mindset has on motivation. Uh, it gives an assessment. So you can take a 10 question assessment to see if you fall on the internal or external side. There are three business and three education scholarly studies that I include to give you to, get, to give the reader more of a perspective um, globally. And then from there, I've got a book called Be Your Best You coming out, hopefully May or June, uh, all about leadership and how management and leadership coincide. I'll have you, Dave. I'm sorry to go out there, but but let me just ask one last question, Mary. Number one thing to live a happy and joyful life. If there was an adjective or if there was an anecdote in your mind that either works for you or in general, what is that? What is that concept? I would say gratitude for God's blessings in your life. Gratefulness. Mm-hmm. Dave. Yeah, sure. No, I I echo that. I mean. Morning, morning rituals, I think, are important, at least in my life. Um, and, and just appreciating, I, I pray, uh, I'm practicing gratitude as well. And, and we are grateful for you, Doctor. Thank you for coming on this show, and thank you for sharing what you know. And, and there's so much content out there that you have. I, I definitely endorse the books and everything that's out there. Go, go find her and go follow her. Sure. We're gonna have to have her back again if she's willing, Dave. That's my point of view. Not enough time for sure. Without a doubt. All right, you're listening to WMTR Radio. It's nothing but the truth with your host, Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno, every Saturday at 10:30 on the radio. Dave, where can they find the podcast? Yeah, nothing but the true podcast.com is where you could see the video of this particular interview and all of our videos. But Bob, let's not forget June 21st of Uh-oh. this year, BLGmasterclasses.com launching. Live, an eight-week course for students, high school students, college students, and law students interested in careers in law, hosted by yours truly and Bob Bianchi. It's going to be about interviewing, resume building, networking. We're going to bring in our friends from various different areas of law. And if you're listening to this and you have a family member or a friend or relative that's interested in being an attorney, this is the workshop for them. We were doing it a long time since the time I was a prosecutor, and I'm really happy that we can offer this to a much larger audience based right out of our studio. So be there or don't be a lawyer. BLGmasterclasses.com is where the registration page is, and we look forward to seeing all of them on June 24th. Please. All right, Mary. Awesome. How was it? It was great. Thanks for having me. We're the Bianchi Law Group, a team of former prosecutors.
prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys. But here's the thing. He put himself in a box when he said... My Relied on by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Law and Crime, and news leaders across the country for our criminal defense expertise. In a search warrant, you have to have probable cause that a crime's been committed and there's evidence in a particular place. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today.